Hey, what's up, everybody? It is your friendly neighborhood BJJ podcaster, Raf Esparza, bringing you another installment of Grappling Hour. Before we get to our guests, a couple quick little housekeeping items. First, if you could do us a solid and give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, it'd mean the world to us. Honestly, it really would. I don't know what I could really say to make you do it, but I can tell you this... I will personally high five every single one of you. No, I don't. I can't see you guys, and also the, the social distancing thing. Mm, I will give you a shout out on air. Ha! That's a better one. I will personally shout you out on air if you give us a five star review. How about that? That's pretty cool, right? All right. Also, if we can give some love to our friends over at nogibjjgear.com, if you use the promotional code GRAPPLINGHOUR15, you take 15% off of whatever you put in the cart. Additionally, if you could also give some love to our friends over at dodgycollective.com, it'd mean the world to us. Not as much as a five-star review, but like, it'd be up there. They support us, and as a result, we always love giving them the due that they are due. No, that didn't work. Anyway, let's get to our guest. Emil Fisher is somebody who likes to troll in the comment section. He is always going to have an opinion on things, and we were lucky enough to grab him for a few minutes to talk about his upcoming bouts at the Sapatero that is taking place on Saturday and the following weekend at Submission Underground 18. These are both very high-profile matches with respective bouts between one, Keith Kikorian in one, and Hunter Colvin at Submission Underground. I think these are fascinatingly great matches for Emil Fisher, and uh, we had a great conversation. I hope you guys dig it. Let's go to it right now. Our guest today has been on Verbal Tap before. You may know him. I would say that you may love him, but I don't know exactly who is watching this just yet i know there is a contingency of people who love him and then there are people who work at flow grappling so i would probably say those are our two very big delineations however he is jujitsu's loki he's a friend of the community and he is somebody who goes out there and competes and has two very exciting matchups coming up uh not only will he take on keith kikorian over at the sapatero this weekend but then next weekend, he will be on the Submission Underground card. I'm going to have to ask him. I'm not sure. Is this his Submission Underground debut? Why don't we bring him on and find out for ourselves? Emil Fisher. Emil, is this your Submission Underground debut? Yeah. Okay. I thought it might be. Well, anyways, welcome to the show, sir. It's a pleasure to have you today. I'm sorry. What was that? You just broke up? I literally just said, welcome to the show. So how are you oh, doing, man? You. <laughs> I'm doing well. How about you? You know, not too bad. I want to get this first and foremost. So you're taking on Keith Kikorian. How does this match come together? So initially I was supposed to be going against Tex Johnson. Uh, that was the initial matchup that Josh had made, LaDuke. Um, Tex accepted the match and then later... Uh, decided that it was not a match that he wanted to have. There was a couple of reasons. It doesn't really matter. He pulled out with ample time. Um, you know, nothing, nothing bad about Tex. But um, at that point, Josh had to come up with a new opponent. And I don't know what prompted him to offer the match to Keith, but Keith said that he wanted to, you know, try for the light heavyweight title. And, 
you know, I'm not going to turn down somebody like Keith Krikorian as an opponent. He's people are like, Oh, you're 50 pounds heavier. He's beating people bigger than me. So we'll see. You're, you mute. You're muted. You're muted. You're muted. Sorry. Have you ever had the opportunity to roll with Keith? Have you trained with him before? Um, I, I don't know if you guys have ever crossed paths before. We, uh, I mean, the only time we were ever in the same room together was at Grappling Idiots, uh, where I faced Chris Shigoli and he faced Mike Wacker. Um, but we ne we've never actually, apart from you know shaking each other's hands and saying hi, that was the only interaction we've ever had in real life. Fair enough. All right. Well, I mean, that's got to be great. Does it feel nice to have an opponent that you actually like not only have a high amount of respect for, but that, you know, is going to be the most professional version of showing up and just having a match and nothing else? Um, It's nice. I mean, I, I've, I've had some pretty tough opponents in the past. Um. I don't know if Keith is as decorated as some of the opponents I've gone against, but he is certainly, I think, as a competitor, as the best version of a competitor. He, I mean, I think that he might be easily in the top 10 under that rule set, under that EBI style uh, with the overtime and you know all that. I think he might be in the top 10 of that. So that, that's exciting for me to get to go against, against somebody so good at that rule set. Now, having said that, I want to do a quick little comparison here because I don't want to jump over Submission Underground, but we'll get back to it. Now, compare that to the cash wrestling world because there are some days where I think I understand what is happening there, and then I look in the comment section and I go, nah, I don't want to be here. This is dumb. Yeah, I mean, the problem with catch wrestling right now is that there are some personality issues in that world. And I think that a major source of that strife is, um, you know, people like Karen Jacobs or, or like, uh, you know, Joel Bain, who for whatever reason, they're, they're trying to create this separation. Um, and initially, and I don't, you know, I, I have some insight to the kind of the, the, the behind the scenes shit but the bottom line is that this the, the match that happened where Quentin went against Karen was supposed to be something more than it wound up being and that was I think in part due to Joel Bain kind of take picking up his toys and, and going home so it's kind of a bummer it just seems weird in the sense that you know there's a lot of cross-pollination between jiu-jitsu and wrestling and now jiu-jitsu and catch wrestling and on paper we would like to see these things but it does mm -hmm. seem like there's some sort of weird not connecting vibe between sometimes the catch wrestlers in the youtube comment section saying this is just butt scooting to then a little bit later <laughs> the jiu-jitsu guys looking around and saying like why do you guys even want to like do this with us then? Like, why do you sound so stupid? So it is becoming a very, uh, very interpolated and, and crazy discrepancy between the two. So that's, that's kind I of, think where that, I think that, so catch wrestling brings an entire uh, family of tactics and techniques to the table that 
we don't focus on or we don't have depending on where you're training um because of the fact that it, there's the pin and because of the importance of pain as a uh measure to get your opponent to do things um simply based on that i think that catch wrestling has its place but to try to say that catch wrestling is superior to jiu-jitsu catch wrestling lost that fight in 1993 and yes you've got your guys like josh barnett kazushi sakuraba you know i consider myself to be very much a catch wrestler i train under catch wrestlers yes i sit guard because that's the most efficient way for me to play in the rule sets that i play under but that doesn't mean that you know i i don't have the same mentality when there's a pin involved as any catch wrestler out there it just changes the you know if i'm allowed to keep my back on the ground why the fuck wouldn't i, I get more leverage that way I think my perspective is I would love for them to be more interpolated with what we do. I, I'm deeply fascinated mm -hmm. by it. And, you know, frankly, I look at it as, you know, a nice little jumping off point for pro wrestling. So I'm always in favor of that. The hard part yeah. is when you just see people as stupid as they are in the comments and you go, I don't know that we can extend a bridge here because there has to be some good faith of at least some intelligence here. And I know very, very intelligent catch wrestlers. And you have the benefit of knowing Sean, who I think can sometimes speak both languages. Is he ever confused on all this? Does he ever look at it and go? <sighs> yeah, I mean, so Sean, it's funny. A lot of, um, as of late, like a lot of the guard play that I do is heavily influenced by Sean. And, and, and I made a post in one of the catch wrestling groups where what I said was, if a grappler can sh destroy your game by sitting down you are not a fucking catch wrestler you don't well, practice catch as catch can if you can't i just uh i think that would go over very well so emil i guess this kind of goes nicely into how have you seen your role in jiu-jitsu evolve? Because you're not just a competitor, you're a writer, but then you have this part-time gig of going through comments and going through that. And I just think to myself, why? Um, <laughs> because it entertains me. Okay. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I work a job where a good part of my day is spent um babysitting machines as they do their job um making sure that things don't go on the fritz and during those times i peruse comment sections and when i peruse comment sections sometimes things happen sometimes shit pops off and sometimes people don't like that shit that pops off i think we lost raf here um you i mean didn't. i'm just giving you the floor keep going oh okay uh, yeah, I mean, it just, it, it just, I, I have time and I find it amusing to watch people get mad about nothing. So I like to make them mad about nothing. It's really that simple. That's fair. I mean, you do fit the description of a kid that we do figure is going to be trolling in the comment section. It just so happens that much like Gordon, you are equipped with a certain amount of attacks that make you actually somewhat dangerous to probably somewhat. follow up on that. So I would say <laughs> this. Uh, it says right here, and this is from Tony. 
And it says, why did Flo attack Emil? So I suppose I'll give you the opportunity to say for people who may not be familiar with what that is, what did Flo do to you? I mean, what did Flo do to all of us? Flo is just, Flo has been a blight upon the jujitsu community since their inception. Like, that's just the reality. Don't get me wrong. Flo has a decent service. They have a decent product. Their price is not that bad. However, number one, the fucking senior editor in charge that we are forced to look at and listen to stole seventeen thousand over $17,000 from the jiu-jitsu community. That should bother everybody. The fact that we are forced to fucking look at that fuck. I mean, l- let's be honest. That's a thing. That's a fucking thing. Number one. Now, as far as what they did to me, um, not a whole heck of a lot. They just kind of ignored me throughout my career as I've destroyed people on the fight to win stage. But most recently, I suffered my second decision loss on a fight to win card in mid-August. And they decided to make it into something that it wasn't. And I took that as an invitation to reply. Okay, and what was the reply? The reply was to point out the fact that they employ Howell Teague, who stole over $17,000 from (laughs) Jiu-Jitsu, to point out the fact that they don't have nearly as many subscriptions as they like to pretend that they do, to point out the fact that they've employed the likes of AJ Agazarm and then they pump him up. Stuff. I mean, there's all sorts of things that they've done. I just, you know, I, I was keeping my mouth shut because why, you know, throw rocks at people that I don't fucking know, but oh well. Well, I gotta say that. this. I feel like uh, the Emil Fisher Red Belt uh, commentary uh, on a documentary that did not come out is going to be your Benghazi. So no matter what happens here, I feel like we're going to get a comment on that. I would tell you this. So I, of all things you said, I don't necessarily disagree with any of them, except that your price point for flow grappling is a quote, not that bad. I don't know, man. I don't pay anywhere near that for Netflix or for Hulu or for any of these. And they offer what do they charge per year up front? What do they charge per year up front? Bro, I don't subscribe to them, so I don't know. Okay. It's about $12 a month, dude. It's about $12 a month. But let's be realistic. They don't put on enough events that merit actually being considered. There is such a dilute of the product that they all become watered down. So as a result yeah. of that, if you take the month to month, it is a $30 price point. So what they're trying to tell you is you're getting a $12 return on your investment, but it is actually monetized at $30 is what they consider their price point per month, which as a model will tell you yeah, for the casual fan, which is why Netflix can figure out, hey, you know what? Do whatever the fuck you want. Here's what we are per month. It's why they can get away with that and offer you so much more content. Whereas Flow Grappling yeah. does have a large library that they can expand and work with. But yeah. if they're going to talk about not having the amount of subscribers, a great deal of that will probably be due to their price point. And a lot of people, whenever they see that, I guess, what is it, 150 180 that they pay up front, they literally look at that and they go, I don't know that I want to do this, which tells you that they're not creating a product that merits them to look at it and do the breakdown and go, Oh, $12 a month. That makes sense. 
look, here's the here's the thing, Ref. As much as I'd love to say, oh, they charge too much or whatever, I one of the things, and I, I've I've done my my fair share of campaigning against evil entities throughout my life, uh, believe it or not. Um, and the bottom line is that you got to give credit where it's due. The price point is not the fucking problem. It might be part of the problem, but it's not that big of a deal. The problem is that they hide the sport behind a paywall, which stifles growth. See, I don't even mind a paywall. I think the hard part is. Well, I do. I, would, I do. I would. I would like to. Well, here's the problem: we don't have a network-based sport. So, as somebody who works in television, I can tell you, I can show this to executives over at any of these networks, and they go, "Nah, pass." And you know what's insane about that? They are hungry and salivating for live sports to fill their their like entire schedules so the hard part about it is that is where i have always come from the area of broadcasting and saying yeah no wonder it's shit we don't know how to package it so even though it looks better than it did years ago there are still things on the professional broadcasting side that we still look very amateurish in comparison while we're trying Agreed. to a replication of something that you see on the UFC. So when we look like I diet UFC, we don't really differentiate what makes us unique or special. I think Fight to Win does a pretty good job of it. I don't honestly. Think that they have produced something that a network would pick up, and they might because they might just put on so many things. But that's what I'm talking about mm-hmm. in terms of creating a a want to see something. If you miss one fight to win, you're not really mad that you missed one. And that is what networks want. They want to create something. Whereas if you miss it, you have a certain sense of fear of missing out. And so that is where I feel like that price point, when you look at flow, because $12 makes sense, I could get behind that. But looking at it from a standpoint of, I don't know, man, I don't know how many good events I'm going to get out of return for this. Whereas Netflix has fucking, Tiger King, and that's going to pay for itself in a day. So I don't know. <laughs> it's about creating that supply and demand where people want to be there. But let's talk a little bit about this other thing as well, which is that you will be going to face. Uh, let me see here. I didn't actually remember who your opponent was for Submission Underground, but I will tell you it is Hunter Colvin, which is a hot fire match. Has that match even ever happened? How has that never happened? I mean, I just always figure based geography, you guys are closer than most of your other opponents. So uh, that's a hot fire match. And I'm really glad that you're on. So how did it feel to get the call for uh, submission underground for the very first time? Yeah. I mean, I've been trying to get on, (laughs) I've been trying to get on submission underground for a while. Um, What really kind of got me pushing for it hard was, Back at one of the first events back, uh, Shale was doing this. Shale's been doing this thing the last couple of events that I think is a, my, my wife calls it a man arguing with himself in a room. That's what my wife refers to it as. He just sits in a room and fucking yells at himself. And it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful to watch some of the most entertaining television that I've seen in the sport. Um, and during one of these rants, the, in one of the early events, I think it was April, um, he was talking about how he can't find a match for Anthony Smith. He like went off on this tangent about how nobody wants Anthony Smith. I'm like, I'll do it. I'll fucking do that shit in a heartbeat. Are you kidding me? UFC title contender who's very beatable. I'll do it. And um, I just started like, I started pumping shit out there. And then I realized that a friend of mine is friends with Shale. So I sent my friend a message 
who sent it to Shale. And then Shale actually gave my name to the uh, matchmaker and told her to find me a match. And every event since that event, I've reached out to her and I said, hey, do you have anything for me yet? And this was the one where she's like, I got something for you. That's a good match, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm pretty stoked, man. I guess my question is, have you planned any antics? Because there doesn't look like there's any time for antics on this one. And there's we've, seen, we've seen you become very accustomed to bringing uh, what looks like the empty parts of Carrot Top's prop drawer out for most <laughs> of your photo ops. So I guess the question is, does that mean there's going to be more emphasis on spat or apparels? Or is there going to be something that you're going to be able to do to show a little bit of your personality? Because I just don't know what happens for you competing on a big stage without a portion of your personality. Okay, so uh, did you see my most recent fight to win match? So, I mean, the, the recent fight to wins, they really haven't had a whole heck of a lot of room for shenanigans. Uh, at least as far as like, you know, th there's no face-to-face weigh-ins. Like, you're weighing in by yourself. Uh, you're not doing a face-off or anything, so I can't you know, bring my rubber chicken and, you know, squawk it at him or something. Um, the walkouts are kind of neutered because they were in Texas. So like, I literally only had one other person with me. So yes, I did a bit of a walkout, but like, it's not nearly the same uh, grandeur that, that we become accustomed to. And, you know, going a step back feels, feels, doesn't feel right. Right. Um, but there's the match and, I've been working on some new tactics, some new entries, some new shenanigans, and we'll see, man. The nice thing about Submission Underground is it's a five-minute match, so if it turns out that this guy's a lot better than, than I'm hoping he will be, which I think he will be because he's really fucking good because he's Hunter Colvin. Um, I mean, if it winds up being like that, I only have to survive for five minutes, and then I get to take his back or his arm or something. Eh? I mean, here's what's good about it is that <laughs> – if you've ever gotten a dance partner who looked like they would be immune to whatever you're doing, I think it's Hunter because Hunter is not only a really good competitor and I've talked to him. He's stoic, he's he's stoic as fuck. But he's very blank in terms of I've got no reaction for that. So there was a part of me that just thought, well, the theatricality of this will be a missed opportunity. But who knows? Uh, you know, on paper, though, that does read as a very good match. So I'm very much looking forward to that. I would ask you right yeah. now, as we just kind of look at the broad spectrum of all things jujitsu, how has everything been going on where you're at? I know that you um, you guys have been training and you've been able to do stuff, but how have you guys been able to navigate all things considered between coronaviruses? I know that you guys got to open back up earlier than some other places, but how are things going for you guys? I mean, for the most part, where I'm training, at the gym that I'm training at, it's back to... I'd say like 95% business as usual. Um, it, it's still a bit weird. And me personally, I'm only really training with a handful of people, mainly because the fact that pretty much since all this came back, I, there hasn't been a moment rest. Like there hasn't been a moment where I wasn't getting ready for the next thing. Um, initially I was preparing for, an absolute tournament that Leduc put on for uh, the return of Sapatero in the form of a uh, qualifier for his 155 pound tournament. He also did an absolute tournament. So I was getting ready for that. Uh, wound up not doing that and instead doing the Bigfoot 
grappling thing in Nashville, which was really fun. So that was my first competition back. And then ever since then, it's just been one thing after another, after another, uh, get initially I was getting ready for Tex. Now I'm getting ready for Keith. Um, now I have Hunter. Then I have whatever, whatever's on the horizon. I'm, I have a limited amount of time. I'm 35 years old. I have a limited amount of time that I can do this at a decent level. I'm surprised that the success that I've had thus far. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, and it's been just, you know, focused training, focused training. I would also beg to ask you this question, which is we've seen a lot of things happen in terms of the mental well-being of the jiu-jitsu community as a reporter what is something that you have observed about our community over the past six months? Um, I mean, it, it, we're a mess. I, I see a lot of pseudoscience. I see a lot of like conspiracy nuts. Uh, one thing that's super interesting to me is I see a lot of black belts uh, making grandiose uh, commentary on medical subjects. Um, if a physician walked into your academy, um, a white belt and try to tell you that what you were doing was wrong with jujitsu. How would you reply to that? You know, you, you think he was a fucking idiot, right? Now imagine on the other hand, a BJJ black belt telling doctors, you know, that because he, <laughs> but come on. Um, so there's that. And, and I see a lot of hypocrisy. I see a lot of speaking out of both sides of people's mouths. Um, this whole situation has really disappointed me. Um, it is just, it's been very disappointing all around. And, uh, for me personally, it, it's been really tough because, um, you know, I'm trying to train, I'm trying to get ready for stuff, but at the same time, I'm really trying to be as safe as I can in a sport that's inherently unsafe. Um, we are taking a calculated risk every day we're on the mat and it is what it is. Have you felt any release in getting some competition? Because there are a lot of competitors right now who are not truly getting their opportunities. And obviously my heart goes out to them, but you have gotten a couple opportunities to compete. What has it felt like? Has it been cathartic? Did it make you feel better to have something to work toward? I'd like to give people a, an idea of what that feels like. So, um, I don't know if we discussed this the first time I came on your show, like I think three years ago now. Um, but for me, the way that I have built myself up as a competitor is by competing. Um, there's something, there's like a switch that flips in my head when I go from like, you know, gym a meal to competition a meal. Uh, I'm a very different person on the competition mat. And I almost need to flip that switch on a regular basis to keep it like moving. You know, it's almost like one of those things where if it's not frequently being switched, it gets stuck in weird positions, um, you know, using that as an analogy. So, like, for me, getting to compete has allowed me to feel that, you know, the, the switch going on and off as needed, uh, which has been valuable. Um, I know that my first competition back, I was a bit slow at the beginning. I was, you know, I, I had a bit, a bit of jitters and nerves and good stuff. And then the second competition back was a bit better. And then finally it was like, you know, I, I started hitting my stride again. That's great. What do you think and what do you make? Because again, you're kind of one of our, I would call you one of our comment correspondents. We've seen a lot more matches become lucrative just in the comment section 
what do you think is the eventual runoff of this? Because it seems that for every comment and attack each other sort of a thing and then put up a financial figure, we're only seeing about one out of every 10 of those result in an actual match. But other sports, you don't see Tom Brady call out another quarterback and say, I put one grand of my money against 500K of yours because they're a professional sport. So what make you as somebody who knows the comment section well, where do we see that going? I don't see that as much as you're – I don't really see that that much. I mean, maybe I'm missing something. I know I see Gordon Ryan get into it. Doing things – as, as long as I can remember him, you know, he's always been one to put up his own money against other people. But other than Gordon Ryan doing that and that shit, I mean, that's his hustle and he fucking, he wins it. Um, other than that, I haven't really seen anybody else doing it. Is there somebody else that's doing it that you can think of? Well, let's put it this way. Over the weekend, Colby Covington was putting up a wager for his coach. So it seems like it's seeping a little bit more outside of our little confines and now making its way to some of the MMA guys or somebody that you would consider more of a wrestler. So as a result of that, we are seeing it break through a little bit more. I'm sorry, you broke up that entire sentence that you just said. What was that? Not a problem. Colby Cummington put up money for his coach and now is putting Mm -hmm. up some kind of wager. So I would argue that's starting to transfer outside of the confines of our jiu-jitsu realm. I, I mean, I saw that. And again, the one person to really jump on it was Gordon. Um, that being said, I, I think that I think that side bets are always interesting. They always make things more compelling. Uh, adds to the narrative. I, I, I mean, you're you're a pro wrestling fan. I'm not as much a pro wrestling fan, but I do appreciate the pageantry of it and the the art of it. Um, and just based off of that, like you got to have a narrative. That's part of the reason I kind of bringing things back around. That's part of the reason I say fuck flow. Flow grappling ruins, or at very least, um, does a shit job of building the narrative. Because what they'll do is if they have a match coming up on one of their cards, they'll only promote quote unquote their athlete. So like we saw a match between uh, Cody Steele and David Garmo. And they posted like three or four videos promoting Cody without really mentioning Garmo. And then I made a post. I was like, hey, flow grappling, fuck you. Like, well, you know, what are you doing? Nobody fuck, you know, it's like, yes, great. Cody Steele's competing. Who's he competing against? What's he doing? And then then they put up a post about Garmo. It's like, you should have been doing it both the entire time. There should have been some sort of a fucking narrative. You need to have something. And I feel like that's a thing that a lot of companies don't do correctly in the sport. Like a lot of, a lot of promotions and you see it, for example, um, it happens a lot with Stipe, my teammate, you know, Stipe's opponents get pushed. Stipe doesn't really get talked about that much compared to his opponents. And that's why he's often the underdog. I feel like you need to talk more about how much of a badass this motherfucker is. I think one thing that has emerged over the years, though, is it's been nice to see Stipe, when he gets a win in the press row, showing a little bit more personality when he does some of his interviews. We've seen that evolve over the years, but that didn't happen just because people were putting too many cameras in his face. I think at a certain point, he just stopped caring and he was like, fuck it. I'm just going to do whatever I feel because I'm having to do all these media obligations. I might as well have a little fun with it. 
But I got to tell you, man, I mean, I think there's nothing funnier than watching him say fight for it to ask a question because I thought to myself, <laughs> you know, I've seen some press rows. I don't think I would do bad here. If we're talking grappling, I don't know about fighting, but uh, I, I look around, I go, I, I like my chances. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, he like that's the, the funny thing with him is that's his, that's his personality. Like that's what he's like in person. You know, so it's like it's, it's that's the genuine that's the genuine Stipe. It's just I feel like he often tries to be polite, and in being polite, he's you know a bit more tight-lipped. It's very difficult when you have a lot more cameras on you, um, and people will scrutinize your every single thing. But I would say the general impression of him is quite favorable, and maybe the majority of that is due to his record and and what he has done in the cage yeah. more than people pushing him, but. Homeboy's got a Modelo commercial, and I think he's doing okay. So yeah. I would tell those guys, it is kind of nice when we see those people uh, start to get those sorts of things. Emil, we're going to start rounding around right now, but I do want to ask you, just in terms of, obviously, you're getting some of the competition experience. Again, we mentioned a lot of people aren't. Where do you see the sport going within the next three to five years as a direct result of what we have seen happen within the past six months? I think it depends, number one, on how the coronavirus situation develops. Um, it, it, we're, it, it's unclear. We're still kind of in the middle of it. And I think that if, it, um, if the situation worsens, we might see, you know, events suffer as a result. Um, I think that, you know, optimistically, I'm really liking a lot of the professionalization of the sport. I'm really hoping that a company emerges that will challenge flow grappling, um, which will force growth because I, I again, I, I don't critic, I don't criticize flow grappling's price point or product. However, the monopoly that they hold and their, you know, flagrant disregard for their consumers and their athletes is just, shitty so i i think that a company emerging that would challenge them would do good things for the sport i think that ultimately for the sport to really grow we need to bring in outsiders we need to have casual fans uh and without casual fans i don't i just don't see us growing as a sport as long as uh you know everybody that's that's watching the events are people that are practitioners or family of practitioners it's never going to really grow as much as we'd like it to well, I guess the other thing I did want to ask you about was in the time since we have chat, uh, I mean, even just really during Corona, um, you put together a podcast. How was that experience, sir? It was fun. I mean, I got some really fucking cool people on it. You did uh, book like some really fun guests. Uh, I believe the name yeah. of it is Unicorns and Biscuits podcast. No, no. It was what the uh, the BCT, the BCTL podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, bacon cookies taking limbs. Oh, okay. Cause that makes more sense. Anyway, go on. Tell me about your podcast. Yeah. I mean, I just, I saw all these stream yard podcasts come up. Um, I, I like your biscuits and unicorns, by the way, that was good. That was a good little. Hey, listen, you. I saw the look at your face where you're like, fuck, that's not bad. That would have been the third choice. But, that's <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I, I'm, I'm, trying to i'd like to continue doing episodes but it's like it's become a lot harder to get a hold of people than it was during the ronas um but like i had a lot of really cool guests on i had gokor on i had eric paulson on i had uh the guy that directed the art of self-defense like it was like a super diverse 
guest list. I, I, I didn't want it to just be people known for grappling. Uh, I used grappling as my in with a lot of people, but um, who's that it was one a lot metal of artist that you got, by the way? I got several. I got several metal artists. Um, I got several musicians. I had uh, Ulysses Bella from uh, um, sorry, Ozo Motley. They're a, uh, a two or three time Grammy winning Latin fusion band. Um, and he's also a Gracie Jiu Jitsu black belt. I got Matt Heafy from the band Trivium. They are a, I think, two time Grammy nominated metal band. Very good. Uh, I got the guitarist from Dragon Force, uh, Herman Lee. Um, and then I had one episode featuring one of the guitarists from uh, Trans Siberian Orchestra. A uh, Finnish or Norwegian death metal singer uh, and a, a keyboardist. It was like a super fucking random, just kind of like it kind of just came together. Um, the singer, I actually trains jujitsu. He's a blue belt and reached out to me. He's like, "Hey, can I come on your your podcast with some of my friends?" And I'm like, "Sure, why not?" And then it turns out that his friends are these. I'm like, "Oh, this is fucking cool." <laughs> Why do you think that they gravitate towards jujitsu? Because I thought it was very interesting that you were able to assemble uh, metal artists. And more importantly, I had a couple of my friends message me over the years whenever they'd say, oh, did you know this guy trains? And I was like, oh, no, I don't. Like, I don't follow that band, but I think it's dope they train. And mm -hmm. they just so happy to tell me that they had a connecting to me. So I was just curious, from your perspective, why is it that you think that they gravitate toward our sport? I mean, people in general, or no, just those like, musicians. I, I don't. Because here's I don't why. Know that What's that? The reason why I make that claim is just because I look at it and I see somebody like, let's say, uh, Maynard, and I look at him and I go. Sometimes I had always wondered if there was appeal to people who saw him training and thought. Well, what's to that? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I know that there's a lot of musicians across a lot of genres that train. Um, and, and I know that uh, Maynard trains. I know that uh, what's her name? The 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 uh, the, the woman that the uh, drawing a blank. The this this pop star. She's under Demi Orlando Sanchez. Yes, yeah, she trains. Uh, I mean, like the list of people that train is, is super diverse. So I don't know that there's a higher percentage of the metal community that does jujitsu. That being said, um, I know that there is a contingent among heavy metal musicians that pride themselves on being fucking shredded and like being jacked and like, you know, looking cool on stage with your guitar. And like, there's a certain look, right? So based on that, some of those people might've, you know, gravitated towards it because of that. Or maybe you had, um, like it really, everybody's different. Like, um, I know that Herman Lee got into it because he did martial arts as a kid. Same with Matt Heafy. Um, you know, everybody's different. Some, somebody had a friend and that's how they got started. Uh, Maynard wrestled. He was a wrestler. His his dad, I think, is still a wrestling coach. So, like, everybody's different. Um, 
I, I don't know that heavy metal has a higher uh, concentration. Uh, well, the reason why I would have asked that is just because I saw when you started mentioning the names, those are all folks that at least have uh, a little bit of uh, experience being at concerts that hmm, I would probably say fall more on the alternative and metal side. But I would ask this. We'll switch this to another question. This is from John Varro, who asks, why does Emil Fisher kick babies? Now, I don't have any context toward this, John. So do you have any context toward this? I may or may not have kicked a baby at some point. Maybe. I don't know. My foot. I'll tell you this much. You fit every eight line profile of the person who kicked the baby. Like if they came to me and they normally do the interview that goes, oh, he was always so nice. I couldn't have ever understood how he could have done that. My response would be, oh, Emil kicked the baby. Yeah, he 100% seems like the guy. No, there's, 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 actually, there's actually a funny story there. So... <laughs> I was uh, I was at a buddy of mine's gym during the Ronas, um, like during during everything being kind of like locked down more. Um, a buddy of mine out kind of in rural Ohio has a gym, and he was he opened up a bit earlier than many. Um, and I was recording an instructional, and his uh, one year old son was kind of toddling around the mat. And at some point, my foot may have grazed the baby. Baby's fine. It didn't, you know, it didn't even like knock him over or anything. It's kind of like my foot touched him and he started crying and it was kind of a thing. It was very funny. And that's what Vara's referring to. Well, he says, I've seen it. So I have to take that as actual <laughs> fact here on the show. Emil, uh, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you an opportunity to go and shout out all the people that you want to go and shout out. Obviously, you have some great things that are coming up. So whoever you'd like to give credit to who's helping you get ready for these super really, really big and high profile matches, sir. For sure, man. So for starters, I want to thank my team, Strong Style MMA, my coach, Pablo Castro, my other coach, Sean Doherty, and my good friend and travel coach, Josh LaDuke. So those are my training partners at Strong Style. Um, then I got my sponsors, Mirkatsu, not a rookie, um, Eddie's on Coventry, Impact Mouthguards, The Turp House, North-South Jiu-Jitsu Underwear, and North Coast Cryo. Uh, man, big shout out to my wife for putting up with this shit as well. I think she should always get the biggest shout out of them all because she's, she's a saint. I she has to be. There's no other explanation. I've I've run through the thoughts in my head when I've seen you go twenty comments deep on a chain, and I go, "For the love of God, go somewhere else. It's too deep." <laughs> And you know what the worst part is? I will, here's how I judge if I'm going to read a, a, a comment. Cause you know, Facebook will pick like one or two. It goes, here's right. what you might have missed. If I see a chain that has more than 60 responses, my immediate response is no, no, thank you. There is nothing no. <laughs> important in grappling that makes me say, well, let me see what either 60 different people thought or three, because that will tell me real quick. No. no it, it, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'll be sitting there, you know, minding my own business, watching, watching my chamber, making sure that it doesn't fucking blow up. Right. I'm just working here. And then I'll see some asinine shit. I'll be like, that's some asinine shit. 
And people be like, no, it's not. And I'll be like, yes, it is. And no, it's not. And yes, it is. And I don't have anything better to do than say yes, it is 60 times. I don't fucking care. Fuck you. I'll tell you this much. I think <laughs> whoever is in charge of baiting things from Russia sees you and goes, our work here is done. I'm good, everybody. They do the whole wipe out on a table. They go, you know what? I just sprinkled a little dust there and my time here is done. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to uh, go ahead and troll you guys. Mwah. Thank you. I want to work for a troll farm. Like I would love to be like, a, I would love to be a professional troll farmer. Get paid for this shit. I don't know how you are. And in fact, I don't know how the IRS qualifies what they pay you for, but they may be able to write some of that shit that you do off if I were them. I would talk to their accountant very quickly. So, anyways, Abil, here's what I'm going to say to you, man. I would say the IRS should look into it and possibly give your, uh, your company who you work for, who I imagine you're probably at work right now. Or are you working from home? I'm well work. Okay. All right. Like I said, what I would say to you is this. I'm very excited about your match with Keith this weekend. And I'm just as excited about your match with Hunter. I think those will be some great matches. And more importantly, I think they're going to give you uh, some different feels in terms of competition that I think, uh, you know, you've been working toward, man. And, and one of the things that I will say about you is you 100% want to get the opportunity and you do things to make those opportunities happen. So I'm very happy that you get them and I look forward to seeing you, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. All right. That's going to do it for us here at the grappling hour. If you would do us a solid and go give us a follow like subscription, whatever the fuck they ask you, it is very simple. Go to at grappling hour on Periscope, Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and the rest. Also Instagram. If I didn't say that one, at this point, I should just write it down, but I just refuse to. Anyway, give us some love. Follow us, like us, subscribe to us. That's going to do it for us today. It's been a great day for grappling. We'll see you back on the mats. Eventually.